Get the boys on the case. Hoops Detectives. This is the Knuckle Push-Ups Podcast, where we attempt to solve all of the NBA's greatest mysteries. I'm the Silver Fox, Sean Silver, and I can only be killed by a silver bullet with a silver knife or with a stick with a silver handle. As always, my co-host is Patrick O'Connor. Call me Van Helsing. I'm ready to go. So what we're trying to do here, Sean, is just figure out the best configuration to not only talk about hoops as a topic, but also physically how to do it. I myself have <laughs> reconfigured my pod, my pod shack yeah. to a box on the ground. I'm laying face down on the ground, speaking into an Amazon box that has been soundproofed with a blue bell, blue ball, snowball microphone. We're on FaceTime, but all you can see is my profile of me speaking into the box. And this is an effort to have a high-level conversation about basketball that's not the same as every other conversation you could listen to this week about basketball. That's true. And I have uh, shut myself in an armoire to achieve the uh, similar sort of effect. It's all worth it because what we're doing here is something different, and that's all you can really ask for. I think uh, this week... It kind of dawned on me that everyone who is having this conversation is pulling their information from the same exact places. They're listening. We're all listening to each other. We're kind of trying to come up with our own takes on the same info. And while, yes, it's cool that, you know, the last time we did a podcast, we vented a lot of steam about how the media portrays hoops and why the ratings are down and all this. And and it was really, it was interesting to hear a lot of our thoughts echoed by a lot of the people we look up to that are having the same conversation. That shows me like we're having the right conversation. We're in the right ballpark for this conversation. But everyone's having it, man. I mean, and I think that there's more to basketball than just the milling over of the minutia that everyone else is also milling over. So I wanted to do kind of a hard pivot this week and try to have the conversation that you and I want to have, not the conversation we think we should be having, if that makes sense. So, Patrick, what you're telling me is you want this podcast to dare to be different. You want to zig when everybody else is going to zag. What other cliche can I throw in here to say that we are not going to participate in the same cliched conversation that everyone else is having? Well, I think it's it's the, like the big thing is that Media shifts all the time, and now we're just living in a in a in a space where it shifts a lot. Everyone is way more aware of those shifts, mm-hmm. right? So, and and instead of just like kind of I don't know, instead of just swimming along, let's just try to do something different, you know. And I think there's basketball is a big enough sport; it impacts enough people, and there's different ways to look at look at it that we can just do. We can be the three point revolution of NBA podcast, Sean. Wow. We can do it, and I think we should try. Well, we know some of the things that everybody else are talking about right now would be the all-star selections. Sure. I mean, you're going to get, as you as you referred to it, the appropriate level of concern trolling yes. about things like all-star selections, things like uh, the trade deadline, perhaps uh, the NBA ratings being down. These right. are all things that we have touched on in past podcasts. But one of the interesting topics that we brought up kind of early on was who's real and who's not. And I think that plays a lot into our conversation today. Like, are the NBA finals a foregone conclusion? 
Right. Usually we enter a season and there are favorites. We've discussed in past shows, there's a lot of parody this year, but kind of sussing out the boundaries of that discussion and how exactly we figure out where the NBA is going from here this season. That's, that's the important thing to us right now. Yeah, we're, we're exactly at the midway point. So we're having this conversation at the exact right time. Like people, the prognostication starts preseason, right? Where people are like, well, it's going to be the Bucks this year, or it's going to be the Lakers, or, you know, the, the Raptors, they're going to fall off. Everyone has like their big grand predictions for the season, mm-hmm. which is fine. We haven't even seen a trailer yet for the movie, but we can guess about what it's about. What the national conversation has turned into is the dissection and the delusion of all the different pieces that go into what should be making the NBA great. So take, for example, Star Wars. Yep. Right? Star Wars. So the last chapter of the Skywalker saga should have broken every box office record that's been created and held by anyone else, and it didn't. And I think the big reason why is because we've heard nothing but the inner workings of how it was not a smooth process of bringing these movies to the screen, Mm -hmm. of how Colin Trevorrow was supposed to direct, but then they got rid of him, so they brought in J.J. Abrams. And J.J. Abrams was only supposed to be guiding the whole project forward, but he's not the guy who should be directing, but he is, and they screwed Ryan Johnson. No, Ryan Johnson screwed the fans, and all this back and forth. That was a solid 10 seconds of Star Wars discussion. Do you have any interest in seeing The Rise of Skywalker at all? You know what? I do because I choose to ignore the entire narrative coming out of that. I just want to watch some damn Star Wars. And you know what, buddy? That's my advice to anyone who likes basketball is ignore the fucking narrative and just go watch some hoops. And that's all that we're going to do. So with the idea that is it a foregone conclusion, I wanted to – my question was how foregone of a conclusion is this? Like are we – who is it? Who do we think it's going to be and why? And uh, I think that's kind of a good enough place to start. I have a couple of questions I'd love to throw you and see if yeah. we can kind of figure this out. Yeah, man. I mean, this is, this is what it's all about. You play for chips in the NBA, but it's, it's kind of the story along the way. And it's the, the, the positives and the negatives that make up each team that can kind of help you root out and figure out, all right, what should I expect to be seeing here? What's, what are the factors that are going to contribute to a team's success or failure? And we're not saying that we can necessarily predict the future here, but we can have, you know, an interesting conversation about our favorite teams and, and you know, call bullshit on each other necessarily. I, I, I want to kind of get hyped up about this here. Yeah. So feeling like the finals matchup is a known quantity is not a new thing. Right, every single year you're like, it's gonna be yeah. this it's gonna be this team in the east, it's gonna be that team in the west. That's how every season starts. Usually it's kind of born of you know, the city you live in and if there's a team there or what team you grew up watching or whatever. Right. We have a we have a buddy from New York who's a huge Chicago Bulls fan because he came of age in the nineties when if you liked basketball, you liked Michael Jordan. And, you know, he stuck with the Bulls, even though he's from New York. Not that there's a whole lot to cheer about for the next even in the nineties. It's um, that was the time if you were gonna yeah. get hooked in, it was that was the end of it. <laughs> I am glad. I am glad that he got stuck with two decades of shitty Bulls basketball. You jump on the Bulls in the '90s, you deserve that. You pay the price. You were the, not um, watching goddamn Todd Day and Greg Miner every night. <laughs> but that's kind of where 
if you thought they were your team was going to go all the way, it was kind of born of that. It was really regional. Like the way basketball is played and consumed now doesn't really have to be. It's not really that case anymore. This is just as much of people who follow certain players as opposed to teams, and uh, it's kind of the video gamification of the game, and that's fine. Yep. It's a subject for another pod. But, He's um, heating up <laughs> for right now. Looking at it, it looks like the Milwaukee Bucks coming out of the East are probably they're definitely the team to beat right now. They've got as of pod as of pod time, they've got a, a twelve point six point differential. That's historically high yep. as far as teams um, coming out of the East, and, and they're probably going to match up ideally against one of the LA teams. Right now, it's the Lakers. If um, you know they are. Um, statistically, I think they're about as again as a pod time about eight point five point differential up. But being that basketball is measured on a cellular level now, like and there's no and there's certain statistical assurances that those could be the two teams. Like what like what gives? Is that who we're going to get, or is there anything else that could kind of come into to disrupt that? Well, it's the classic you know age old example of. It's 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 like the movie Moneyball or the book Moneyball or what happened in Major League Baseball. You have the analytics revolution that can tell us. Now, granted, being able to calculate a point differential is not Isaac Newton style stuff out here. And I don't even know Isaac Newton did math. I just picked a name that sounded important from the past. Sure. Excuse me if I'm messing up my historical references here. But this is a basketball podcast, for God's sake. But point differential is a statistic that is used a lot more as a bellwether of a team's success. And and similarly, offensive rating and defensive rating are pulled into a lot of discussions. So there are only four teams in the league that are in the top ten of both offensive and defensive ratings. Three of them we have mentioned already, the Bucks, Lakers, and the Clippers. The fourth is the Celtics, which is interesting because not only is it this analytical stuff that I'm talking about, but the clash is the analytics versus the eye test. And that's what you get from watching a lot of games. That's what you get from being a consumer of basketball, a fan of basketball. The things that you're seeing, the beauty, the, the, the positioning on the court. Do you really believe that a team that, okay, the math tells you that the Celtics should be in the conversation with the Bucks and the L.A. teams – do we truly believe that they could break out of the Eastern Conference and make an appearance in the finals? And it's not just them. There's other teams that our eyes find pleasing, like, for instance, your Dallas Mavericks, Patrick. Right. Yeah, and I think that, like, when it comes down to it, there's a lot to like about Dallas, but my gut is not – it's not their year. No. It's just, like it, – it's it's just not. And I think, like, it's – I don't think it's the year for the Celtics either, though I think that might be some hometown guilt like just baked into the the paint of my apartment. I never think that the Celtics are going to could ultimately go all the way, even though that's all I could ever want. I just don't think I deserve that. But that's again a subject for a different podcast. Uh, I think it's just also that we're like gonna, we're going to lay you down on a couch for that one. You're <laughs> yeah. not going to be you're not going to be talking into a box. You are going to be on a couch. We're going to have one of those microphones, you know, that come down from the ceiling. Right, exactly. We'll just sit you there, and we'll have an hour-long <laughs> therapy session on your Celtic guilt. The I think that the but again, I don't feel like the Bucks are. There's something that like they're they're a statistical marvel for the regular season, and everything is telling me that mathematically they're the ones to beat. Except for the fact that in the second game of the season, we watched the Celtics outfox them. 
mm-hmm. you know? And that's a hard thing to shake. So statistically, yes. Mathematically, yes. This should be Giannis and company's year. But every single thing that I, I look at them, it just they look like they're still have moves to make and that this is not a team that could win a title. That said, the LA teams fall into the same bucket. They don't look like they could win a title either. Both teams look like, well, they're just not there yet. They're not all the way put together yet. So while it could be one of those four, it's not a foregone conclusion. The only thing that I can really point to is that, well, it could be one of these four teams, but they're, it's not going to be this version of it. And honestly, you could say that about probably 10 or 12 different teams right now. And that, my friend, is parity. That is parity. And that also makes the trade deadline much more important. We hadn't really seen it in a while. And then, you know, the Raptors last year added Marcus Gasol. I don't know if they could have been a championship caliber team without adding Marcus Gasol at the deadline last year. But it shows that uh, Gasol, no longer an all-star, no longer a defensive player of the year candidate, but a smart veteran who can score a little, defend a little, and certainly pass the ball, winds up being a major benefit to a contending team. So we run into it this year where the Lakers, who's the third guy? Do they even need to add a third guy, or do they make a couple of smart moves around the margins that improve them remarkably from the model that they have right now, where it's LeBron and Davis and a bunch of has-beens? Do the Clippers have you know something that makes their their recipe pop even more than it already has. Did the Celtics have something up their sleeve? We don't know these things right now because it's late January and it's probably not going to happen right up until February 6th. So that makes this conversation even more intriguing. Right now, we see what we see with our eyes. We see what's on paper or on our computer screens with the standings. There may be some move out there that we haven't even thought of that hasn't been discussed that's going to take a team to the next level. Right now, Milwaukee looks like the front runner, but whether they make a move or somebody else makes a move, that could change very quickly in the next couple of weeks. I just think it's hilarious to think that basketball, even though the current product is born in a lab, that anyone can be certain that a team is going to be there at the end. Right. It's just crazy to think about, man. Like, think about, and, and the proof of that is every single other NBA season. Like, who saw Toronto winning the title last year? Honestly. <laughs> Nobody. Like, and even in that year that Cleveland won the title, like, who saw that come? Because that was like, the, the, the Warriors set the 73 wins. They're like, who's going to beat them? And then they lost in the finals. Yeah. Yeah. And it was... And that was uh, – it just – you can't predict what's going to happen. Even the Celtics in 2009, their improbable run – or 2009, 2010. Oh, yeah, they, they started like, cooking out the gate in uh, yeah. 09 that year, and then KG shredded his knee. So it's like, all right, well, then what happens from here? If you remember 09, Cleveland got the number one seed, and everybody figured once KG's knee was shredded that, okay, it's LeBron time. LeBron made the finals in 07. The Celtics made the finals and won it in 08 with that big three. Kevin Garnett injures his knee. Okay, it shifts back to Cleveland. No, Dwight Howard and the Magic come in that year. They get a trip to the finals, and that hastens LeBron's departure from Cleveland, altering the entire landscape of the NBA. So it's examples like that where you have a favorite, you know, a prohibitive favorite, then something happens, you have an alternate favorite, 
uh, a lot of these assignments of, of who's a favorite and who's not a favorite are based on who the superstars are. But sometimes it's just based on who's the team that's playing the best, who has the best mix. Currently, that's Milwaukee. We don't know if that's going to last. Right, and unless you're counting like your team that's going to win the title of the Western All-Stars, then it doesn't really matter how much <laughs> because there's only one or two stars who can win a title every year. Yeah. And it's not necessarily where all the superstars are because the title also makes a superstar. That's the thing. That's the right. paradox is that like to say like, well, Kawhi is the greatest basketball player in the world right now. That was only kind of like lightly discussed last year at this time, right. like how great he was. But not that he was basically what did I hear today that he's Steph and Durant in one. The fact that like. A title will – if you win a title, then you're in that category, but you're not in that category until you win a title. It's just kind of like this chicken and the egg type of conversation that can only happen at the pundit level, which is so frustrating about the sport because nothing in the history of basketball tells us that these conclusions are foregone at any point in time. Like it's uh, – that's why you have teams like the 08 Celtics that can go from worst to first. In one season. That happens a lot in basketball because the way the landscape shifts. But it doesn't have to happen every year for it to happen a lot. And considering all the moving pieces that go into the NBA, it's just it's that should almost never happen. Right. So the fact that it's happened even more than once is an aberration already. Well, so, it is this it is the sport that has, you know, the smallest actual roster so right in in essence that roster should be the easiest to rebuild out of you know a, a, a football team a baseball team etc right and how one player can make a, a sizable difference but again for as many different combinations that can get you to win a title there's just as many combinations that you should have won a title that go completely by the wayside oh my god yeah you know of like well like even in, I, I want to say it was the 2012 Lakers, where it was like yep. the scariest Sports Illustrated cover I've ever seen. <laughs> now, this is going to be fun, I believe, the caption Yes, was. and it was fun for everyone else other than Lakers fans who watched a slow-moving implosion that whole year, where the starting five was Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, and Meta World Peace. Pretty and good on paper. Pretty good on paper. You know, so less than a decade, the entire sport has changed three times, and we've tried to anoint a new hero every single year. So we should be more. So the fact that it's like people are saying, well, it's definitely going to be Giannis or it's definitely going to be one of the LA teams, all I would say back is like, we definitely have no idea what's going to happen. And to that end, with the LA teams, we have who is going to like, unless there's someone who they pick up on the buyout market. Who in their right mind is going to trade with anyone on those teams? They have nothing to trade right. to get someone to make them better. Same well, at thing. At least picks wise. Right. At least picks wise. And, and if people don't want picks, what are you going to trade from a player standpoint from either LA team that's going to dramatically improve either of those squads without damaging what's gotten them there in the first place? Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of the Celtics issue, too. I mean, they do have a couple of assets, but a lot of. You look at these roundtable Celtics discussions about what kind of move can they make. Well, if you want to get someone of substance, then you're going to have to move a Marcus Smart or yeah. an Ennis Cantor. And I know that you know they mean different things to the Celtics, but poo-poo Ennis Cantor all you want. But that guy has been at or in the middle for a bunch of Celtics wins this year. He's and, the and, yeah. He's and, getting 
he's getting rebounds, which is like which is almost foreign in the NBA. It's and very no helpful. pun in, no pun intended, my man from Turkey. When was the last time you saw Ennis Cantor do a slap rebound? Do a what rebound? Say that again. Like just a slap rebound, like jumping up and just knocking the ball backwards to the top of the key. Oh, the Daniel Tice move. Right. Yeah. Like never ever, my dude just pulls the ball down. Pulls it down, doesn't bring it below his waist where those pesky guards can get it. It goes back up with it. He's a marvel. I love it. I don't want to see him traded. I know a lot of people think that the Celtics need a traditional big man, need a a um, you know a big man who can pull it out to the three point line, need a big man who could defend Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, I don't. You know what? I think I saw the recipe when they beat the Bucks in game two of the season or, or whatever it was. I think I saw the recipe when they defeated Toronto when Siakam was healthy, and I saw the recipe when they beat the bag out of LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I know that the Lakers weren't necessarily at 100%. I've seen what the Celtics can be when they are operating at their highest level. The question is, can they do it four out of seven games in a series against these other elite teams? I think if you look at it, the the, the team that always wins – the NBA Finals is the best team, not the best collection of talent. Right. Like that's just how it goes. So what it's going to come down to is which team, which collection of talent can get to team status before the other ones have long enough time to gel to then roll that chemistry into the finals. Yeah. That's the team that's going to win. And um, and even last year with Toronto, yes, you had a huge collection of different assets, but they were all kind of unified under this banner of like, well, this is all a gamble, and this is probably the only bite at the apple we're going to get. I mean, I don't think anyone was under any illusions that um, Kawhi was going to stay, except for the fact that Kawhi was under the illusion that he might stay. He didn't know. Like, so when you're just kind of focused on basketball, if that's going to be a uniting cause, sometimes that's all that you need. So there wasn't too much of a story of like, is this finally going to be the year that Kawhi wins? Or is this finally the year that Toronto is going to win the title? It was just kind of like this juggernaut up north just playing basketball, and that's it, that came in and won the NBA title. You know, there was not a whole lot of drama surrounding that team. It was just kind of trying to manufacture drama about Kawhi potentially leaving that he didn't, that he didn't like weigh in on. I love that point that you made right there because that's pretty much what's happening with Milwaukee right now because people want to will this conversation about Antetokounmpo's future into being. They want to have that conversation all the time. They want to say, are the people around him on the Bucks good enough to get them to the finals? Well, we're, we're not going to know that until April, May, and June. Right. So I don't know necessarily. I don't know if D'Antoni's system is good enough to get them there. Certainly the indicators – are that you know Milwaukee may be a better basketball team, but what does Giannis Antetokounmpo's future have to do with them winning the title this year? Does it mean that they're going to go out and make some sort of crazy move because they feel pressured? That, and that's it. You know, it's it's like this is a Billy Bean thing again. I turn back to Moneyball. Like he basically let the media criticize him on a number of things and say, "Okay, that's fair, guys. You know, you go out and do your job, but I'm still going to keep running my baseball team this way." Because this is the way that I think that I that I need to win. So if you kowtow to the pressure, just because the media is saying you need to do something or else you're going to lose the first superstar that you've had in Milwaukee in years. Since Lou Alcindor. 
Yeah, I mean, unless you want to count, you know, Glenn Big Dog Robinson or early career Ray Allen or Jack Sigma with his beautiful perm. But even with Giannis, I mean, what we learned last year from Kawhi is that, yeah, you can win a title and then leave. It doesn't matter. Right. And like the the era of basketball. Wouldn't Milwaukee right now, take that right, right. now? They sure. would take that totally. And I think that's kind of the way it's going where it's like, yeah, we're behind. Like that's the baseballification of of basketball yep. where it's Absolutely, like man. we put this collection together. Let's see if we can win a title. And we go back to the drawing board every year and we do arbitration and let's see what we can put together this year. It's very seldom that teams get that, – that you have like a long – shelf life of a team being together. That just doesn't really happen in sports where analytics is really kind of the currency of the day. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just not how it's built because statistically and mathematically it doesn't make sense. I'm trying to avoid having that conversation with myself about the Celtics right now because next year they're going to have to pay find a way to pay Kemba, Jalen, mm-hmm. Jason, and Gordon. And that's probably just not going to happen. But I don't want to think about it right now. And even if I do, guess what? It's not my fucking money. It's <laughs> only right. pa- it's only part of my money of which I am more than happy to give. Yeah. But to get another banner in the rafters. It's uh it just is what it is, man, and let's all try to win a title and not pretend like it's something more than that. I think the thing with um that's interesting about Milwaukee is that even if if Giannis if he if he leaves or if he doesn't, what does it fucking matter? It truly doesn't. He's 25. He might want to go to New York. He might want to go to L.A. He might be like, no, I like I like my house here and I don't care. Uh, I'm going to stay here and play. Or I want – like I'm going to go wherever you can get both of my brothers together. So I'm going to go to L.A. because one of my brothers is already there and I think I can get my other brother like, you know, uh, <laughs> like traded from the, whatever G League team he's on <laughs> and we'll all go play. It will be LeBron and Bronny James and the three Antetokounmpo's and that's your starting five just because. Who the fuck knows? And I think trying to figure out like the machinations of where a 25-year-old millionaire wants to live is a fool's errand. That's just crazy. I mean yeah. so it's – I think we should just enjoy the product that we have on the floor right now because if you look at – at basketball, beyond what the product is, you will not enjoy it. There's nothing fun about it. Like basketball is fun because of the product on the floor, not the minutia around it. Well, yeah, and that's that's why. And you and I are both wrestling fans. That's why I've always preferred to letting them tell the story in the ring right. rather than with you know all the promos and stuff. Like a good a good effective short promo has its value certainly, but uh, you know just talking for the sake of talking isn't isn't necessarily advancing these storylines. I mean, the storylines are juicy enough on their own. And and I thought about like, you know, we talked last podcast about the just the way people are anointed, right? Yeah. Think about how many times that NBA fans or prognosticators wanted to anoint a certain team. I mean, it, think back a couple decades. Think about the year that the Lakers fell way the hell off. And the San Antonio Spurs swooped in and won their second championship. Right. San Antonio is kind of the ultimate example of an opportunistic team that any year that one of the favorites was, you know, really getting bumped up. This is going to be Dirk's year, for instance, in 2007, right? Right. Um, or, you know, this is going to be the year that, that Shaq just got to Miami. He joins a young Dwayne Wade, you know, in the 04-05 season. Like – 
okay, the, the Heat get knocked off in 05. Detroit makes the finals, and San Antonio dispatches them in the finals, win their third championship. 07, Dirk and the Mavericks get knocked out in the first round. Spurs win another championship over LeBron, who's not quite ready for prime time. Like, they were the ultimate opportunists. They had a team that was ready to win whenever, you know, your superstars weren't ready to assume the mantle or just couldn't get up out of bed in the morning. So I kind of want to look at the landscape here and say, who is that opportunist team that exists? You know, if it's not going to be Giannis, if it's not going to be one of the L.A. teams, like, who actively, who truly could come out of the East or the West and steal a championship this year. I think that might be the most fascinating thing here rather than saying, oh, well, how is L.A. going to get it done or who's going right. to trade for Kevin Love? Well, yeah, I mean, who could it be? I mean, I, I think in the West you have to take a look at a team like Houston where eventually, like, it, this is the most, <laughs> like, this is the kind of, like, it's the argument proving itself and disproving itself. Uh. But for analytics, eventually this formula has to be right. That's the thing with math. Eventually it just has to be right. It's chaos theory. (laughs) Like, you know, so it could be Houston. Who knows? I mean, you know, you know what disproves the theory though, is the fact that they caved to the pressure. They traded Chris Paul. They brought in Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook does not fit the math. So that is, that is the, that's the fly in the ointment there for Houston. And you know what? I don't blame it all on Russell Westbrook. I, I say that Russell Westbrook is the the reason why the math doesn't work, but I don't think the math even works there. I really don't think that Houston truly could win a title. Maybe it's maybe it's just James in James Harden's DNA or whatever. I would go out on a limb right now. James Harden will not win an NBA title. He will wow. be the Patrick Ewing of this generation. Okay, there you I go. Was, I was about to make the comp to Will Chamberlain. I mean, be, seeing how it's like he's the he's. Statistically, he's having like a season we haven't seen since Chamberlain, and Chamberlain didn't go. win. He only he won two titles, kind of like not necessarily post prime, but definitely after he was supposed to. Yeah, and uh, and just never really understood why. And that kind of yeah, that uh, kind of reminds me of James a little bit. But yeah, he might be the Ewing. I think Wilt is Wilt is perfect. I mean, another guy who didn't win one, uh, Charles Barkley. Yep. And remember, Barkley made that bid to go to Houston toward the end of his career when he was, you know, maybe not the same chuck wagon that he had been. Right. Um, and 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 look, you know, everybody on paper in 1996 or whatever, Olajuwon, Drexler, Barkley, how is this not, you know, a team that's right. going to win the championship? Well, they didn't. You know, they, they had didn't. several shots at it, and they, they couldn't get past the freaking Jazz, the right. team who had been there all along, the team who had ran the Stockton and Malone model year after year after year, much like the Spurs ran the Duncan Parker Ginobili thing year after year after year. The Jazz were waiting there in the late 90s and got a couple of finals bursts because Houston just couldn't get off their ass and get into the finals. So, yeah, I, I could see Harden potentially joining a super team. If if this doesn't work out with Westbrook, if things in Houston don't work out and his contract's up, I could see Harden on a super team in a few years. And you know what? I could see that super team failing because I hate James Harden and he's one of my NBA heels. I would <laughs> I would revel in that. I would absolutely revel in that. Maybe he and Joel Embiid could be on the same super team. I would just love to hate that team. It would it's, be great. It's the money ink of NBA super teams. <laughs> <laughs> Just Joel Embiid is the perfect IRS just because he comes out and grabs the mic and says some pithy ass comment. <laughs> and like the only difference is that he does it after the games in the post game. 
<laughs> as opposed to before the match starts, like Mike Rotunda. Outstanding. So who's your West Coast team then? Who's your who's your chaos agent? Would it be would it be Denver? I think Denver is a, a very interesting chaos agent, but you know what? I gotta ride with this one because everything in my in my bones tells me that it's not gonna work, but I just the jazz man are just okay. super, they're super scintillating to me. And it's not because of the presence of Mike Conley. I think that's something that they still need to work out. Yeah. They have been playing amazing basketball and it's mostly in the hands of Spider Mitchell. Right. Who has made, you know, not just an all-star bid, but a, a bid to jump into the elite level of NBA talent. And, you know, they got Gobert there as the backbone of their defense. They got some nice complimentary pieces who can also score the ball if they can find a fit with Mitchell and Conley in the backcourt, I mean, they even have a bench now. They got goddamn Jordan Clarkson, and it's it's been it's been like night and day in Utah. So I would say that Utah, again, a team that's been kind of waiting in the weeds, Quinn Snyder's system. They got the Defensive Player of the Year candidate, perennial back there, and Gobert. I think that if these other teams off each other or something goes wrong, I think that it's Utah, and that's that's the same take that I had early in the season. Maybe that's uninteresting, but that's the that's the team I'm going to go with. I'm praying for uninteresting stuff. I just want like basketball to look like basketball, and I would love yeah. for a team that is barely being talked about to come in and, and do it and just reset the doomsday clock. I think it's wonderful. In the yeah, east, be awesome. In the east, so kind of like looking at the same lens. Who's the team in the east that you think could do the same thing? Who's the counterpoint? Or who's the counterpart to uh, to your Utah pick? Again. I've been saying this all season. Freaking Indiana, man. Okay. It's, all right. Basketball's concocted in a lab now, and we're told that these are the things that work. But I still work on the give me an enticing array of talent. And I think once you bring the thingamajig, Victor Oladipo, back <laughs> into the mix in Indiana with a team that already looks pretty bonkers, man. Yeah. I mean, they're they're good. There's there's a log jam in the East right now between two and six. It's been there all season, and I don't expect for it to be really any more clear by the first week in April. I, I feel like seeding is going to come down right to the very end of the season here. We may even have an example where a team that's ticketed for the two seed winds up in the five or six just in the course of the last two or three games of the NBA season because there's that much stuff flying around. That may benefit Milwaukee a lot because these other teams will be killing each other to get seeding, and Milwaukee already has such a sizable lead that they can just coast through April and rest their guys. But uh, but Indiana, to me, there's just there's just so much intrigue for me in seeing how maybe not even superstars, but just elite level players can can play together. And the Oladipo Brogdon backcourt to me just makes me drool. You are, and and they're great on the inside. They have a bench too, like. It, it would be the most boring ass from a media perspective finals ever to have it be the jazz and the Pacers. But these are two things that I've been sitting on all season. Both teams are in striking distance and I, I, I'm just super interested in how these teams work out over the next few months. I love it, man. I mean, yeah, I, I, let's just like some, some men just want to watch the world burn. And that's the way I feel about basketball right now, because like more often than not, there's like that the, the quote unquote boring team, like the basketball team, plays spoiler to the glitz and glamour team that should win, right? Yeah. So we saw like Detroit and L.A. in '04 or '03, yep. absolutely, right? Every single every single time the Spurs 
have won a title. <laughs> it's been that way. But I guess most uh, most recently and most famously when um, – was it 2013 against uh, Miami, the rematch? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the uh, the Heat won the first one, right? Yeah. And then, and then yeah. the Spurs won the rematch in 2014, which, again, led to LeBron departing and going off to Cleveland again. Right. So, but more often than not, the best team that's a team is going to win. Uh, they've got a pretty good shot to win, and in this case, the title. I would love for that to be the statistical anomaly where it's two teams that are just going yes. against each other. That would be great. I, I feel like it would never happen. No. Like if I, I – it would be probably stupid of me to go to Vegas and put any money on an Indiana Jazz Finals. But in the case that there is enough chaos that it actually hits, I mean, man, I'd be rolling in it. We could – I don't know, man. We could build our own podcast. Well, I was going to say we would build an actual studio. <laughs> talking into boxes or closets. You know, I mean, it would be wild. So, well, but it's, it's probably not going to happen, but just the fact that it's there – Makes this just a, a a super scintillating NBA setup right now. Well, and I think here's the thing: is that like, well, yes, as we're saying, like, well, it would never happen, and the reason why it wouldn't happen is because there's no superstars on these teams, or like the super the people on these teams are not of that level. They're not on you know a household name level. Yeah, they're not top you know five or ten player in the NBA type of guys. That's although a, Mitchell might right. be getting himself there. Exactly, that's a problem the NBA can fix. And you can basically fix retroactively so that when you're looking at this in the future and being like, remember that one year, 2020, was the year everything got reset and two non-superstar teams won? No. You go back and you find whoever the, the breakout guy is on those teams and you rewrite the narrative around that. Like right. the NBA is always going to be driven by stars. just doesn't have to be driven by stars in the moment. So it's um, – I'm not worried about that. But I would love to see a Utah-Indiana finals. My God. Right. Are there any other teams that, you know, you could ticket that way? I mean, one of the ones that I considered was Toronto. Wouldn't it be weird if the Raptors, if they had everybody healthy, made another run? You know, say say somebody offs the Bucks, Say the Celtics beat the Bucks, or, or just something just weird. Say, weird. say Giannis and then, turns an ankle. Yeah. And, and then it's freaking Toronto with Pascal Siakam as the ascendant superstar and just a bunch of dudes who play basketball well. Like – that would be wild to me to see them back on that stage. I'm sure nobody would be super excited to see it, but I mean, that's just good basketball. That's a good story. Well, I think that's ultimately basketball has to win out. I mean, I think that's kind of the, that's the era that we're moving into, even though everyone's anointing Zion and it's, and it's very exciting to have or another guy him. or fetching him. Yeah. Jesus. It's either one or the other. <laughs> yeah. And, and there the two shall meet. But here's the thing. We've seen that before too, my man. Let me remind you of Vince Sanity. When, like, when the heir apparent to Michael Jordan was not always LeBron James. For a while, it was Vince Carter. And it just didn't click. Yeah, they you know? found so, out that Vince Carter, uh, what was the uh, member of Dorothy's troop there in The Wizard of Oz who didn't have the heart? I'm forgetting who didn't have the heart. The Tin Man. Okay, Vince Carter, a.k.a. the Tin Man. <laughs> they just found out that he wasn't, he wasn't built for the big moments. And, you know, that's okay. That's Remember when he was tra- traded to New Jersey, and it was automatically. This is at a time where the East was down. It was yeah. automatically assumed that the Nets, with Jason Kidd and Vince Carter and Richard Jefferson, were going to be in the finals, and it didn't work that way. Detroit was like, no, 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 Dikembe Mutombo, Geico ad style. 
<laughs> the um, well, the, like that's the that's the fun part about hoops. Like ball don't lie, and it never ever does. And um, like so for them to be just waiting for Zion to like assume the mantle, there's something that's going to happen that we have not even considered yet. The guy could already be in the NBA, or could be like maybe it's John Morant. Who knows? Or he maybe might have it's already assumed the goddamn mantle. Exactly. Or like it's maybe it's maybe it's Luca or whoever, but there's someone else. Yeah. We're looking at basketball through a very traditional way, even though it's non traditional now, or considered non traditional now. But there's gonna be something that comes along that completely changes it. That's the only constant in basketball. Is that there will be someone who comes along, makes everything really popular, and everyone rushes to that, and that's the way the game is played. And sometimes that leaves superstars behind or resets the narrative behind someone mm-hmm. else. And uh, like to see that happen on a massive scale would be really, really fun at the same time. Especially it's 2020. It's the dawn of a new decade. There's all kinds of shit going on. It would be this is the year for that to happen if it were to happen. As far as other teams that could, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be whoever the best team is at the time. Could it be the Celtics? Sure. I mean, I don't think anyone thought the Mavs were going to win the title in 2010, but they did. Or not 2010. Yeah. I'm sorry. In um, 2011. 2011. Yep. Um, well, like, and even like, and no one thought the Magic were going to win, or no one, no one saw the Magic going to the finals in two thousand nine. Right. There's always some team that pops up. It's just a little break from the monotony of it's definitely going to be one of the LA teams in Milwaukee. Maybe it will be, but I'd like the journey to be interesting, and most likely it won't be because it just never is. Would you be okay with it being, you know, Milwaukee versus Lakers, LeBron versus Giannis for the chip this year? Uh, I would be okay with it simply because it's because it's either going to be if it is it's the end of an era, or if it, and if it's yeah. not then it's what I want. So I win either way because like if the Lakers win Banner Seventeen, I will be bummed out. <laughs> I will be bummed out beyond control. But I'll finally have what basketball needs, which is a bad guy. You know, I yeah. need a heel, someone who I can boo. And who I can feel good about booing and be like, yeah, I'm never going to cheer for that guy. The fact that it's the Lakers and LeBron, I'd be fine with that because I get what I need at a basketball back, which is a narrative. It's a, and that kind of like su- for me supersedes the 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 stats or the born in the labness of what the NBA is now. And if it's not that, if it doesn't want to be in that matchup, then basketball wins out. And I'm excited that LeBron again. The story is he's got to get another bite at the apple, or how is he going to, or how the Lakers going to tweak, or maybe it's not like you can't just go out and buy championships. Doesn't matter who you are. It's um. So yeah, I mean, either way, basketball wins. It's like give me a good heel face. Yeah. You know, WWE style matchup for the title. Have it be LeBron versus Giannis. Pick a side. Don't have yeah. it be this is LeBron passing the torch to Giannis. No. That is not an interesting story to me. I do not give a shit who carries the torch. I want to see one guy hit the other guy with a steel chair, just like that little girl at that wrestling match that we went to all those years ago. Hurt each other! Yes! <laughs> that is what I want to see. That's I right. I want heels. I want faces. I want to root against Giannis. I want the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks. And I want to hate watch that series. I want to hate this seven foot one man built with every incredible physical tool with the tenacity and the 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 willpower 
to form himself into a complete machine of a basketball player. This is not the same guy that we saw six, seven years ago coming into the league. This is a guy who had, A, the physical gifts, and B, the willpower to actually mold himself into the perfect specimen basketball player. I want to hate against the Ivan Drago of the NBA, and I, I want my little mighty might Celtics to beat him. That's the sort of thing that I want to watch in May. If you get that ECF matchup where you've got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum having to grab the brass ring, you have to do it, and you have to do it now. And it's um, like we, we – I mean Jason Tatum – the the limit is the sky. The ceiling is the sky for that kid, right? That's the that's the story on Tatum. When's it going to happen? You know, like so, like when are we going to? I'm I'm tired of looking for um, just the hints that he's leveling up, and I want to see yeah. him do it emphatically. Like furrow your brow and just be dominant. That's what yeah. we're all looking for. Yeah, and in a situation us. like that, that's a show don't tell. He did it in his rookie year, and everyone's kind of like, look at this plucky young team. And maybe for them it's addition by subtraction. Maybe the big move they make is there's a huge trade and the entire landscape of the team changes. Who knows, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's but like to see them there, there's going to be one of the guys in the Celtics that's going to have to level up to take on Giannis. And even if the Bucks do go to the ECA, they do go to the finals, and it's against the Clippers, which was my preseason pick. Then you've got the T-1000 in Giannis versus the T-800 in Kawhi. And it's Terminator versus Terminator. And, like, it's it's a good narrative story that does nothing to do with LeBron. So, again, basketball wins. It's, like, the more you get away from, the, like, the stats, like, the Excel spreadsheets of why basketball is good mathematically and why basketball is good as a TV show, the more you win. And that's yeah. where we need to get back to. And, you know, while you were talking about the you know, Celtics-Bucks and, and why that would be a good matchup, it made me think back to the third grade when I was in Mrs. Cooper's class at the Ezra H. Baker Elementary School. I got a book at the book fair about Michael Jordan. Uh-huh. And, it you know, it was like a biography. And I read it, and I was like, holy cow. Like, that's crazy. I can't imagine Michael Jordan not being on the top of the basketball world. But that I mean, maybe it takes the Celtics a few cracks at Giannis to get through the Bucks. That to me is a more fascinating thing of you know the evolution of Jason Tatum's career or whomever it's going to be, the evolution as the Celtics as potentially a dominant team of the next half decade or more, which we obviously want, than just, you know, anointing somebody a superstar. You gotta you gotta fail. And and part of that part of the, the failure is part of the journey, and the journey is the interesting part of the TV show. It's you get yes. the satisfaction at the end of the hashtag ring z z z z z. Yeah, but you stay tuned for the full two hours because interesting shit is happening along the way. Yeah, I mean, the Lord of the Rings has been a book. It's been published for uh, decades upon decades upon decades, but it's still set box office records because. It's 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 about the journey and seeing it. It's not about the X's and O's that make the special effects come to life. That's what the interesting part of any story is the journey, and we got to get back to that. Not to sound like the old man on the couch, but basketball. No, fuck is, it. We are yeah. we are the two. We are the Statler and Waldorf of NBA podcasts, and I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I never collected basketball cards for the stats in the back, dude. I just wanted the hologram tops. That's all I wanted. 
I just wanted one cool-looking card. Did I have 15 Doc Rivers cards? Sure. Who gives a shit? But you still got to hunt for the for the cool-looking ones, you know? Still got to look good what in the – No, you have the, 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 the pictures in the binder or the, the front of the card, not the back. Give me that Larry Johnson Grandma Skybox card. Damn right. You know? <laughs> so it's it's just it's there ha- basketball just has to be more. You have to remember why you love that. And I can't imagine anyone falling in love with basketball because they could go to like, you know, row where they could go to column GG in in a Google spreadsheet. Come on. Yeah, man, we do it for the love of the basketball cards. We do it for the love of the game. I mean, this this podcast is our love letter to basketball. Sometimes we have some problems with basketball. Sometimes we have some problems with the way that um, we're being spoon-fed the game. But that's why we have this forum here. We got we got to let it out sometimes. Last last time we we vented a little. Tonight we talked about what we love about basketball. Next week, who knows? We may have a, a major psycho trade to go over, but. I know that I will be here for another episode of Knuckle Push-Ups, and I hope that you would join me as well on this journey. I forget what the name of the two main characters in Lord of the Rings were. One of them was Bilbo, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Frodo. Frodo. And, uh, Frodo and uh, Samwise. Samwise, like Gangy, Gangy right? yeah. I don't know. You know what? You, you talked about how compelling those movies were. <laughs> I read the books. I never saw the movies. I couldn't get through them. I fell asleep. There you go. Don't fall asleep on the NBA this season. I'm Sean Silver. He's Patrick O'Connor. This is the Knuckle Push-Ups Podcast. We'll be back in your earbuds again next week. Are you working? What kind of work do you do?